0: Hi, I'm Kiki and I'm Kemi and you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. So, hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in and we are on to another episode of Your Advisors Will See You Now. We are focusing this series on money, money, money. And today, we have a special guest, and he hails from Elon University, you, EU. You, <laughs> you. So we have another fellow alum in the building. So we wanted to introduce our friend Tyrese because we wanted to share his story. We thought it was very, very important. He paid out such a large amount of debt. I'm going to have him jump into that and tell his story. And we're taking notes on this. We wanted future students to take notes on this and, and encourage students that are in college or in graduate school or in their PhD programs, because this is so beneficial and helpful to just financial freedom. And this is information that we all should probably be adding on so we can ensure that we are prepared financially. So with that... Haris.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Kimmy and Kiki. This is honestly a, a huge, huge honor um, just to be on this podcast and to be with old friends and alums. It's, it's crazy how much time has flown since like homecomings and everything. Um, and just thank you for such a kind introduction. Uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit about myself. Um, so I did graduate from EU where I met these awesome, lovely ladies and they, you know, we all went through this college journey together. And so my background, I was a public policy major. Originally, I come from Brooklyn, New York. And right now I am out on the West Coast. I've lived in Irvine, California, been out here for almost eight years. And then currently I'm in a role that's called a solutions consultant, a lead solutions consultant at Salesforce. It's crazy even getting into that because that's nothing to do with my major for anybody who's (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so that is, uh, that's my background. I can kind of take it any direction. Do you want me to kind of go from
0: how we got to the debt situation or how, how the background played into that? I just want to quickly comment. I just love how you mentioned, you're like, it's totally different than what I majored in, but I feel like that happens to all of us because mm-hmm. I was a psychology major and mm-hmm. now I just mostly focus on, it's sort of similar, but it's more like academic advising, you know what I mean? And more higher education versus a sti- yep. the typical counselor role. And I feel the same thing for mm-hmm. Kiki, too. Mm-hmm. So it happens.
2: <laughs> it does. Yeah, I was a poli-sci major, so I understand. I feel like that's – maybe, maybe we can talk about that at some point, too. But I, I think that's a huge trend, especially for our generation. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like I had to get a bachelor's degree in something to mm-hmm. get a job. So I don't know if that – Influent and that that probably influences a lot of
3: mm-hmm.
2: why we maybe have debt because it's just like get something
3: because mm-hmm.
2: I want I need to go to school. So um I yeah, I feel like we all the three of us obviously relate to that, but I'm sure a lot of listeners do as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean in terms of direction, let's see, I mean if you want to talk about it mean talk about whatever, whatever like leading up or what maybe talk about your mindset going into college so if you like took out taking out loans like what was your what kind of help did you have maybe with Mm -hmm. the financial aid process or understanding what loans were if you had understanding you know before we got into freshman year maybe
1: sure um definitely so with going into college um this was my background so i'm first gen for my immediate family my aunt who ended up at elon right Mm -hmm. admissions counselor. She guided me. She had been an admissions counselor since I was in middle school. So we would have conversations leading into college. And she's just like both of you ladies talked about in one of your episodes as a big "why" person. Why do you want to go? Why do you want to major in this? Why do you want to do that? So I felt like I started to do that from middle school. Um, but by the time I got to high school, I would to be honest, I still didn't know, like I knew what the word loan meant, but I can't say that I knew the magnitude of taking out a loan and what that would mean right Um, i really was a newbie to that now i'm grateful my my aunt's advice is the advice i chose going into college and so her advice Mm -hmm. was if you have to take out loans try not to have your total loan amount through all four years assuming you know folks making it a four-year time frame to exceed one full year's worth of attendance like room board everything Mm -hmm. So, Elon at that time coming in, I want to say it was like 40 to 41,000. It's definitely not that right now. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tuition uh, for a year was like 41, 42 grand. I remember room and board was like eight to 12 ish, depending on what you chose, where you chose to live. And mm-hmm. then assuming books and everything, it was somewhere I think I estimated like 55 to 60,000. So, when I started looking at, schools like an Elon or or I think I applied to like 20 different universities but in general my goal was if I'm going to enroll there I want to make sure that I could project in 4 years if I had to take out the amount of loans to to make up the difference that it didn't add up to more than 60,000 that was my philosophy going in okay um,
0: yeah. I'm happy you had a philosophy cause I didn't. So right. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was like, huh, I would not even, even thought that on my own, but go ahead, continue. Oh on. man,
1: that, that honestly is just for my aunt and, and I trusted her because she was, you know, she had been a diversity admissions counselor for quite mm-hmm. some time. And so I was like, all right, well, auntie's not going to see me wrong. Um, but if I didn't have that, I would be in the same boat as everybody. And I still, even with that number, I mean, it's a, philo- it's a, it's a philosophy, but it's not the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know it's still sixty thousand, so at the end of the day it's still it's not cheap you know still, still alone it's still alone yeah. um so that was it and when it came to loans, as far as help, my parents definitely you know did help, and my goal going into school was like, can I take away as much of a burden off of them as possible because um, I have and they've always been extremely hard working my parents I give them so much credit for that they they definitely modeled or work ethic New York is really expensive mm-hmm. and I have like for at that time, um, two siblings, and now I have more than two siblings. Um, so to me, it was I want my siblings to be able to be set up. My parents obviously, you know, wanted to make a way for me to go. It's I looked at it always as my investment, and so I wanted to do whatever I could to try to, to try to navigate it. So I remember applying for schools. And um, I used the, I think it was the the college app at the time. Um, so that was how I was able to get Elon, the app admission fees, like waived. And then once the process started, um, I didn't qualify for any scholarships. So this was my fun. I, I say when I went into school, I was coming in pretty humble because <laughs> I don't mind sharing this now, but like, oh, when I first graduated high school, I was like, <laughs> oh, the, the agony. Um, <laughs> I applied to like 25 schools and I think I got accepted into three. <laughs> so I know what the little, I got way more little envelopes than big packets. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of experience. So when you get that, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this isn't <laughs> that they accepted you here. And, um, also going into it, it was okay. If I'm going to enroll in Elon, um, I, I have an idea about loans to a degree. I don't really know what package they are going to give me, but, once I get there, I know that, uh, like, after year one, I need to, like, try to figure out how we can lessen these loans, you know, because they don't ever give, let you take the full, full amount that first year. So I was like, okay, I got to try to do something. Um, so going into school, that was just kind of my mentality. It was like, it's a privilege to be here. I don't – I didn't – I thought I was going to be a lawyer going in, but then I think – <laughs> I remember, Kiki, you mentioned in one of the episodes, I basically shifted to undecided because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know – what i want to do with my life yet but i know i need to major in something so for right now we'll be undecided um i've got these loans in my first year my parents fortunately because of their financial situation qualified for financial aid um did have a, a little bit on the grant side but with elon when i came in my recalculated gpa when i was a high my high school gpa was somewhere between like a three two or three three um but at Elon, they recalculated GPAs. I didn't know that going into college. I don't know if most students know that, but I don't my recalculation so I didn't know that. Well- didn't
3: go- not- yeah. GPA
1: was like a two seven five. So to go from a three four to a two seven five, yeah. I was not gonna qualify for any scholarships.
2: Okay, they use your unweighted, they use your unweighted typically. Gotcha. Yes, okay. they okay. use
1: my unweighted. So okay. yeah. Yeah, I so that's how I came into school. I'm like, you're the two seven five guy, you know. You're not gonna qualify for no scholarships. And gratefully, you got these loans, and it's covering most. But then it became okay. I'm gonna go to school, get a get a get a handful of jobs, so I could try to cover you know books and just try to offset as much cost as I could. That was mm-hmm. it. Was like, hey, you're here. If you want to stay here, you're gonna have to survive and like figure this out as we go. But other than that, I, I that was it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Did you end up applying for any scholarships or anything, like any external scholarships or anything?
1: Um, I did. But so this was something I didn't realize until I hit senior year. A lot of scholarship programs won the GPAs that they were looking for at the time. I didn't have because I didn't take my first set of AP classes until senior year. Okay. So my AP classes I did really well in. But at the time, the scholarships wanted to apply. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like my first semester's worth of grades. So I think at that time, I was somewhere between a 3.0 and a one, But most college scholarships were like, you need to be a 3.5 and better, all this community service, all this other extracurriculars. And I was like, man, I did not do a ton of community service um, while I was in school. So I didn't have as much on my resume at the time they wanted applications to apply to those.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we've all been there, too, because it was my senior year. And they were like, oh, yeah, you need to make it look like you're well-balanced. You're in these kind of clubs. You're doing some kind of community service. And I was kind of a little blown because I was like, well, how come no one told me this, you know, ninth, ninth grade? I could be working on a nice portfolio here, but I didn't have that. So I was kind of scrumb- like, scrambling the senior year to kind of get everything together, join a couple extra clubs here and there.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, Let's Just try to make it happen. Uh, and that was the same for me, like. My my high school experience is probably a little different than most people because my commute when you're in New York City, as long as you have a, a Metro card or just some way to travel, they let you kind of go outside your zone school. Mm-hmm. My high school ended up being an hour, 50 minutes away from mm-hmm. So the last wow. thing I was thinking about, I mean, I did a lot of extracurriculars in high school, mostly in sports, but a lot of things would be, okay, we're gonna do like a service project at eight a.m. in the morning. Well, for me, that means I had to leave at like five thirty. And yeah. during this time of year, as a as a sixteen year old, the last thing you try to think of is leaving when it's dark and it's thirty <laughs>
2: outside to right.
1: go to go do community service. Not that I don't want yeah. do to, but right to point about like not having that guidance initially. I just don't think the people around me just like knew. They figured if you score really well, you do well on your standardized tests, um, you can use your essays to kind of display who you were, and you'd be fine. But most applications they do like that, but they want more when you're talking about scholarships, so.
0: Yeah, so true. When you were in Elon, did you start paying back a little bit of loans or did you kind of wait till you graduated and then you were like, all right, I'm going to start making payments on your loans?
1: So I waited till I graduated. Part of that, honestly, was fear because I had heard some stories about people starting to pay off loans and then like the interest immediately kicked in. So like you were on the hook now that you started paying Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, let's leave these alone. Um, What I did do, though, while I was in school, and I I honestly have to just say this came from sheer, like, hey, if they tell me no, they tell me no. After my first year, I went back to, and I would definitely encourage, like, any student to do this, because the worst they could do is tell you no. I went to our director of financial aid office every year, because, and especially during the summertime, so... Elon maybe functions like most higher ed universities. They're a nonprofit. So for at least this portion of what it means to be a nonprofit, their uh balances for what they have and you know, access to money and not, from what I've been told, is supposed to be zero at the end of like their financial year. Mm-hmm. So what sometimes happens is when they hit that summer and they've given away a lot of grants and stuff like that, they have like leftover dollars that they have to figure out some way to give it. So somehow I would always be at Elon during the summer and our director of financial planning and I would go to the office and say, hey, you know, Mr. Murphy, can we have a conversation and just basically ask like, hey, I don't know what the pool is right now, where things are, but for me to continue to go here like, I would really love an opportunity to have, you know, if there's any more grants and stuff like that. So that was me. And and the only reason why I felt comfortable enough to even ask, and I know not every student does this, but I did make it a point my freshman year to just try to engage with some people, just make a positive impression on some people. So I wasn't a stranger yes. when I went in his office. Mm-hmm. I felt like he gave me the time of day. He was like, oh, okay, well, okay, I'll, I'll talk to Sarah. <laughs> right. Um And then I just asked. And I felt like, okay, well, again, worst they could do is tell me no. So I think my sophomore and junior year, I got like an extra eight grand on top of what I was already have. So I was able to take out a little bit less in loans. And then also it covered more. So my parents weren't taking out as much. Mm -hmm. And I Dr. like, Mr. Murphy, I was like, how many students would you say come to your office? And he said like four.
3: Mm -hmm. Wow. And so
1: to me, I was like, oh, I wish more people knew about this because I'm not saying you guys are rolling in the dough, but- even if you had an extra pool of a of hundred thousand dollars, I mean, we went to a school with five thousand undergrad, but those four students, that you never know how much you're gonna be able to get that can help take a, a lot off of having to take out loans or redo that. So I did that a few years and um that I think was why I didn't feel as uncomfortable about not starting to pay my loans to after I graduated. And then every semester I had between two to three jobs. Like I was mm-hmm. always working, I was a RA from what I think my sophomore year all the way through to senior year. So those types of things took the weight off of having to apply as much to loans. So that's why I felt more comfortable like, okay, do as much as I can in undergrad. And then once I graduate, then I'll start paying off my loans and kind of going from there.
0: That's awesome. I like that that yeah. Yeah. I I'm like, dang, I wish I kind of thought about the whole summer and the grant thing. I never thought of that. But it also ties into we always tell like listeners that are students we always say, like, try to establish a rapport with people on mm-hmm. campus. And it really does go a long way. Because even you, like, when you shared your story, I was thinking about a student a couple of months ago. We we're reviewing a scholarship for – I won't be so specific on it because you might know who I'm talking yeah. about him. But <laughs> I, was, I read his essay, and I was like, his essay is just not the full potential of what it is here. But I know him as a good student. He comes in. He establishes a rapport. I was like, we have the extra money you know what? We're going to grant him because we have extra scholarships. We want to grant it mm-hmm. to him. And it's because people make those good impressions. They network. They, and I, I wish I did that back in the day. And I, I wish I would have went to the office too and said, Hey, you got any, got anything extra? Hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it is a big step. Cause I, I feel like I did, I had like did the rapport thing, but I was, I never, never was really thinking about after I graduate, I'm not to pay off loans or like even money, like my money mindset, just wasn't there so i had rapport i, I had scholarships at elon, or a scholarship at elon too but i was like oh that's gonna cover me just not even thinking but i've always never i've never really had a i haven't had a great money mindset like when i get money i'm like i have to spend it mm-hmm. um which i'm learning now it's not that's not the case like if you don't have it you can't spend it but
3: sure.
2: um i have heard other other students too i feel like one other person i don't know, i don't remember who it was but they said they would go to financial aid and just ask somebody. So even like you went right to financial aid, which is, or like to the director, which is amazing. Like you, that was like confident, like you had the confidence to go, but you know, other students or anybody listening, if you didn't make rapport with somebody mm-hmm. that they know somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you can be like Tyrese and walk up in there and say like, I'm just here to say hello, just to meet you. I'm sure that's how you started. Just like, let me just create the relationship, which is really amazing. Like there's no fear. Like you said, all they can tell you is no. And from mm-hmm. that point on you you kind of know the consequence like you know okay well I might have to pay off more loans if I can't get this money this for that semester I'll just have to pay off the loans but you took a leap of faith which I think I think that's amazing like, it's really important to do stuff like that just to put yourself out there you just never know who's watching you um in like any any venue at like on a college campus so that's amazing but can you talk about like your so it sounds like you you've had a good money mindset can you just like talk about well, maybe, maybe that that's what it sounds like to me. I feel like that's inspirational because I have never been there. I'm working on it. But can you just talk about, because you even said like you had three jobs on campus. So like, were you saving or how were you using that money? Were you using, I think you said towards like school fees, but what was mm-hmm. your money mindset while you were in college?
1: Oh, man. Um, and, and definitely want to talk about that in a second. I do want to mm-hmm. say this because you did bring this up for students too. And I just want to make this clear for everybody too. Like I was... I don't even know if I could say I had enough confidence to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of desperate, to be real with you, because my between sure. my sophomore junior year, it was like, how are we going forward to go here? I right. didn't get it, and then maybe this relates to somebody, the financial like being in New York, the kind of you know with the with how our financial aid structures, and you know I'm talking to the pros here, so y'all know I'm way more than I do. What I started to pick up was. It, it, You have a threshold before they start like reducing the amount of financial aid you can get. And personally, I'm not the biggest fan of it because cost of living changes depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. My parents, even though they were making over six figures combined, it was you know within one to two hundred thousand in New York. That's not a lot of money. That's nothing.
0: Yeah, exactly
1: right. So it was almost like they got penalized for working harder and getting promoted. So that meant we had less that we can get access to. So I hit a point in my sophomore year where I was like, dang, if I want to go here, I'm going to have to try something because we're not going to be able to afford to go. I mean, sure. There was a parent plus loan, but I didn't want my parents to have to take that Mm -hmm. out not to. And then everything else was kind of fear-based because it was okay. If you take this loan out, it's going to collect interest while you're in school. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got to try something. And I just I just went for it because it was like, and, and the thing I would encourage people to do, I don't know where I learned this when I was younger. Maybe it was just because I was a, a lot more of a people pleaser than, which is a whole nother conversation, but I was. I always came in with this approach of like, if I'm in their shoes, why would they give me the money? I could mm-hmm. just go there and ask and say, hey, can you guys help me? But I tried to make a case to say like, hey, I'm really excited about what I've been able to do so far after my first year I was able to work with these different organizations, I was mm-hmm. able to do a little bit here, whatever. And I said, I'm excited to continue to go here, but the challenge I have now is like this thing. So for me to continue to go here, I'm excited about bringing more impact to Elon and helping in more ways. Um, but how how can we work on this thing together? And I don't know if he took me seriously or not, <laughs> but I felt like I, when I left that office, even at 19, I was like, okay, I didn't come in there like a student that said, please just give me money. Not right. to say that that wasn't the situation, but I felt like, okay, if I'm him, if I could give Tyrese maybe 8000 or whatever, what what is the value? What's the give back for us? And I'm like, okay, well, if he does more organizations, that stuff we can market more, okay, it's a good return on investment we can probably get. That's kind of the attitude I took. I was like, if it can help more students get here, the university obviously wants to be able to bring in more high quality students, that brings in more tuition, So it just was like, try something if they don't say it. But I was super nervous. I was way, like, especially at that time, I was a huge people pleaser. And I was very much an overthinker and very introverted. So that was, like, really far out of my comfort zone to do that. So anybody who's listening, I just encourage them, like, sometimes you just got to go for it, even if you're not a pro at it. And that was definitely me. So I wanted to preface that before we get to my money mindset.
2: No, I like that. I'm clapping because I really really appreciate that because I'm... We're going to Talk later, We So, you have to um, counsel me. I mean, I, I know I counsel, but I'm gonna need, need your life advice too, not just your oh, money advice. Nice. But no, that's that's amazing. I really respect
0: that. Cool. Yeah, thank you.
1: I appreciate you, ladies. That's yeah, I, I wish more people will open up and just share that, like, hey, that's where you are because it's not this yeah. thing. It was like, no, you're 18 years old talking to grown ups about mm-hmm. like grown up stuff. This is not easy or comfortable, but it's True. sometimes necessary, you know. And I think with money, it was. Kind of similar, like I'll keep, I'll be very honest. My money mindset was survival mode because the way Mm -hmm. I perceived it was my parents are already helping me pay for school in some ways, in a lot of ways. Like, and even if they weren't able to contribute as much, the only reason why I got the financial aid I did was because of the jobs that they had. Mm -hmm. So my goal was okay, if I could lift as much off of their plate because I chose to go to this school, I chose to want to live whatever. Then I'll get a couple jobs. And my goal was to have enough in my checking and savings account to afford to to go home if need be, right. um, cover books when needed. I mostly rented because this is like I, when we were going to school, it was like Chegg had first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my rent, best friend. Right. Oh, my gosh. So true. So I was like, all right, let me try to get that. And then honestly, just some pocket money. That was, it was like, okay, if we want to go hang out and it's off campus, can I chip in for gas? Can I chip in and go get some food? Mm -hmm. Um, If I wanted to buy some clothes, like, I I think at that time in college, because I was like really stepping into independence, I was really like maybe in an extreme mode. My thought was like, I don't have my parents to fall back on. So I'm going to always plan monetarily. Like, if I need to go buy this or buy that, or we want to go somewhere, like, can you afford it before you have to ask? And that could also mm-hmm. be just one of the things I don't like having to ask people for stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was like my my mentality. But <clears throat> overall, I was just trying to have some pocket money, pay for things that I needed that came up, and then also feeling autonomy. Like, my parents still were able to tell me what to do, but I was like, okay, I learned <laughs> money though. So if I want to go ahead and go get, I don't know, a pair of shoes or whatever the case may be, now I don't have to feel oh i'm spending their money doing something else i i, I opened the nail in the mail room that comes from like my 20 hours of work time. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my mentality when i was in school it was like have some money you know feels great when you earn it and then I, I just have enough to be able to take care of things so in some ways an emergency fund but i think even by the time i graduated the most i ever had in both bank accounts combined was a thousand dollars total
0: that's not bad for a college student. Or so, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, especially considering you're buying your own air, like your own airplane tickets, your own like side pocket money. But that was kind of my mindset too. It was because I had to travel back home, and I was like, okay, well, they're paying for, they're they're helping me like pay for some portion of my college. I should at least try to work to get airplane tickets. At least go shopping at Walmart, go into the dollar store, whatever,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. go into the movies. So I could kind of do my part. And yeah, Chegg did come out. I hate to date us like that. Like, I don't want people to think we're old like that. But Chegg did come out back in the day. It was like the newest (laughs)
1: thing. It really was. Like, the come up was real. That student universe had just come out. So when it came to find flights and the fact that we got a cheaper discount as students on that website, you know, now it's to a point, if you try to go to Student Universe, I think you have to, like, upload your, your degree audit or you have to have some way to update that you're a current student. They're not that's playing hilarious. any games and discounts. But at that time, oh, yeah, that was, what, 130 bucks for a flight to go back up to New York? Right, just- that's a steal. Prices? That was a steal. So, no, but that's, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm trying to think back to when I was in high school. Not This isn't everybody's situation, but my first, like... Grown up job was between senior year of high school and college. I worked at Puma, and my parents had a conversation with me. and And I applaud parents who do this because this is not easy because you deal with like I'm not a parent yet, but just talking to my mom as I've gotten older, my dad too. Um, you want to do everything for your child, so mm-hmm. this is like a tougher conversation. So for me, I got into when I got accepted in Elon. They were like, "You could go to Smith for free," but I wanted to live in Danley Center.
0: So mm-hmm. there. <laughs> They always get you with the Danley Center. Right.
1: <laughs> always. <how> <laughs> always. And I'll be admit, I was like a low-key I was like, I'm not living in Smith. Like, Me too. Like, Don't worry. Ooh.
0: Me too. Yep. <laughs> and what, was the, what was the other one, Sloan? I was like, uh-uh. I want a little, uh, especially the Danley upstairs. They had the laundry in it for mm-hmm. free. I was like, oh, I'm all over that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, you go to a nice school. You see Elon on the brochures and stuff. You're like, I'm not going to live there. So I was a little, you know, a little bougie about it. So my parents were like, okay, well, here's the deal. If you want to be able to live in Danville, you got to cover the difference. And the difference was like 800 bucks. So with my job, I worked like 20, 30 hours a week, but I had to make like choices. It was like, okay, well, if I really want to go live in Danville Center, I've got to be willing to put some money aside to mm-hmm. actually go there. Because I was like, I'm not living in Smith. So <laughs> that's not going to happen. And so I think that for me started to establish some of that too, where it was like, okay, I know my parents are covering a lot, but if I wanna do that thing, then I gotta be willing to like put my own money aside to it and kind of, you know, go from there. Cause that definitely was like being in Elon compared to New York, I didn't have a car. So it was all and there was no Uber. I mean, we had safe rides, but that wasn't gonna come out. It, went
2: so, yeah. <laughs> it went so
1: far. Yeah. yeah. But
2: so far. So,
1: <laughs> It was just like you had to have some sort of money even just to get transport to and fro and, you know, figure out from there. So I don't know. I think that that did also, you know, for folk, parents that are listening and even students who are working like I that helped me so much because my parents, I know for them, it was like, oh, do we want to let our baby like we can get it if we wanted to. But mm-hmm. I'm glad they let me do that because yeah. it let me have ownership in that decision of like, OK, I really want to live here. So I got to be willing to do the work for that.
0: Mm. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. So, I guess the next thing I want to ask is, so after you graduated, did you mm-hmm. come up with, like, a plan to start paying off debt? Or even when – I don't I want you to share, like, how much debt you had. And, like, when did sure. you kind of have this aha moment of, like, I'm going to get financial freedom? Like, kind of Ooh. elaborate on that.
1: So, I will tell you all the real – the full story because um, I don't always share this with everybody. So, I told you my Elon story, right? It was, like, most you had in your account. And, I mean, I had some internships and stuff, so I paid – I had more money than a thousand at one time, but it was like to go towards a car or something. It was always like something big to pay for. Never mm-hmm. just like, generally how much do you have in your account? So my senior year, and it kind of coincides with two things, because at that point, that summer prior, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a lawyer. Not because I thought the journey was too hard or anything. I did a summer program, and I'm, both of you have talked about this so much, and I so appreciate it. Um, exposure does a ton for you in decision making. So that summer prior, I got into a fellowship program for public policy, and it exposed me to a lot of folks that are on Capitol Hill and different universities that make decisions around student loans and all that jazz. So what I figured out from that summer personally was, okay, there's a lot of folks that are great ideas, but when we want to get funding behind things... Everybody's looking at return on investment, even when it comes to things that are just helpful for students that, hey, how about them just having a better life outcome
3: mm-hmm. is
1: the return on investment. So my thought was, OK, sure, I could be the idea guy and try to like make waves there. But like, how about I be the guy that can help on the money side? Mm-hmm. And that's that clicked. And so I said, well, that's not going to work with trying to be a lawyer for me personally, from what I saw and the folks I talked to. Because I knew how much in debt that they would have to accrue. And I knew also I was impatient. So I'm like, you got to go three years to school, then you got to get the bottom of the totem pole, then you got to wait another 10 years before they actually listen to you. That's a long time. <laughs> so I switched it, but then it was like, okay, now what? You're a senior, you've been a public policy major, poli side minor, and everything. What are you going to do with your career? So the job that I ended up in, I didn't actually get until spring break. I had one offer lined up to do an inside sales job, which most students can get. And that spring break, what happened was being in the social sciences school, I said, I have to expand my reach. And the business school was hosting a job fair. And I was taking an elective course with COM. ended up, make a long story long, but condensing this part, found out Oracle was one of the companies that would be at the fair. So I studied them for school. Oh, yes. for that class, I go to the career fair and I just asked the recruiter, I was like, oh, why did you guys buy this company? Because it was something about like social, like, it's funny looking at brands now, if you mention an ad on a social media platform, they're willing to respond back in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. We were in school. This was the United Breaks guitar era, not to date us, but that's the truth. And so companies didn't know when you mentioned them on Twitter <laughs> or stuff, or and people were complaining. So Oracle bought this software that allowed them to do that. Well, the recruiter at the time, he said, wow, interesting. You know, do you have time to go grab coffee tomorrow? I'm a student. I'm like, I'll make time to go grab coffee. (laughs) I hired a manager. And, um, you know, hopefully this gives folks some hope who are just like, I can can work hard. I just need the right opportunity. Because I had to get to Cracker Barrel the next day to go have lunch. I didn't have a Mm -hmm. car. Mm Mm-hmm. So I had to convince a friend like, hey, if I give you 30 bucks, can you like drop me off to go to his Cracker Barrel and stuff like that? And all those things are working. I thankfully had some money, but I was just like, I'm going to go for it. This is really unconventional, but we'll go for it. And that conversation, he asked me a bunch of questions and I wasn't qualified for anything business software. But he's like, I like your attitude. I like, you know, the fact that you're willing to learn. So he gave me an opportunity to interview. Why all of this matters is because I think when I graduated school, I ended up having this like survival mindset that I was like, Oh, now we made it because my interview process, I was kind of feeling myself. It was scary. (laughs) Like they paid for a flight for me to go to Eel from Elon to Dallas, Texas. And the Oracle interview was like eight hours and Mm -hmm. I was in a competition basically with like nine or 10 other people that were way older than me. I mean, Mm -hmm. Oracle was kind of experimenting at the time, hiring folks straight out of undergrad for adult, adult jobs. So I qualified. It was nerve wracking. It was crazy, whatever. Okay, so I get the job. Why all this matters to my money mindset going into pre paying off debt is I think when you have this like a rival mindset, like I made it. You sometimes don't look for having an advisor making that next step. So for me, this was my situation after all of that. I'm coming into a space where I'm the new guy. I didn't major in this stuff. None of that. And how crazy it also gets the offer they gave me because I had no experience ever negotiating offers and stuff was actually like $120,000. So. This I would feel the-
0: like I made it as well. Just so mm-hmm.
1: you know. mm-hmm. yeah. like, I, I'll never forget this. I was coming out of a business school class senior year and I got the phone call and I remember them asking me, and this is like a tip, whether you're grown or not grown. They're like, well, how much do you think that we're going to give? <laughs> and all my, all like the friends that ones that were willing to share their offers, they were like, you know, well, you killing it if you got like 60. So I was like, all right, maybe I should say 50. Like I was <laughs> So I said fifty, and then the, the gentleman showed, He's like, you know, never heard this again. By the way, he was like, no, we're actually going to pay you more than that. And when you hear that, it means you lowballed way too low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when did the number add up? I remember doing the math, and I was like, so just to make sure, did you, is that one hundred and twenty thousand? Yeah, that is. And I'm like,
0: you're like one two zero <laughs> zero. <laughs>
1: I just came out of business school class and I'm like, I'm not even a business major. I'm like, I'm a public policy guy. I wrapped up so much my identity and like, you know, coming from the struggle and like doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I thought you don't get this type of money until you're a master's or like something. It was just, it was so mind blowing to me. And I think it put me in arrival mode because having that happen, one gave me hope because it was like, oh, wow. Like I figured this out two months before we graduated. So that was number one, like, whew, got that down. Two, this was not in my major at all. Most people don't even know what a solutions consultant does or is. And there's no specific major for it. So it was like, all right, well, there's a lot of other skill sets you can apply. And then the dollar amount, I mean, if my parents ever listening to this, they're okay with, with me sharing this. But I was making more than both of them combined now going mm-hmm. into my first job. That's amazing. So mm-hmm. all of that being said, it was a great accomplishment, but I was so unprepared for like, what I was about to step into because all of that leading up to this point you think you're like man we made it we did so well like it's crazy we even have this kind of job like you get the imposter syndrome thing because it's like what the heck i'm not qualified i'm right. I, i'm this is crazy like my cohort the the, the let's put it this way and the team i was a part of i was 21 at the time the next oldest person for me was 33 and the next person after them was 45. And the Ooh. folks who were primarily on the team were in their 50s. They called the 45-year-old a baby. So I'm the 21-year-old <laughs> person.
0: <laughs> You're the baby oh, baby. You're know, like
1: yeah, out. like a toddler to them. But. They're, they're looking at me. I mean, and I know not all of them did this, but I'm like, I'm old enough to be their grandkid. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm a coworker like, <laughs> right now. These people are older than my parents. So <laughs> all of that, how did that shape? in a nutshell what was my what was my financial mindset i was honestly like most people just acting a fool like if you had that if you went from the most you have in a bank account in college was a thousand dollars to a paycheck even on the low end was like 2500 you're just like what like this is crazy and my expenses were still low and everything but I think my mentality after that, which happens to most people is you start copying who's around you. Mm-hmm. So all my coworkers were really well-established and had a lot of money. And so I started to do the impressive game. It's such a dangerous game to play because you're playing the finance success game, not the financial success game. Meaning you start financing everything. Gotta have a nice car. Gotta go mm-hmm. here. Gotta go there. Gotta get this for whatever. Cause I'm a solutions consultant. And <laughs> It just hurts. And so my mentality before paying off debt was a lot of that. And I was told, hey, as long as you can make the monthly payments, you're great. So now you have a dude, 21, made that amount of money. 22, I made more money. 23, 24, I made more money. I think by the time I finally got to a point, and it was really merit-based, but I was making like $150,000 as a a 24, 25-year-old and working from home.
0: That's dangerous money for someone in their 20s, like, period. Money. So I get it.
1: <laughs> and the nature of my job felt like college 2.0 because when you go to, you know, and this is not everybody, but when you go to see a client in person, you know, and you're doing these projects, people working from home. So their expectation is, is that, hey, if we leave you to do things based on how you do your routines, as long as you show up, mm-hmm. you're good. Mm-hmm. So to me, it felt like, all right, as long as I'm delivering, I could do things my way. I work from home. Some weeks, yeah, it was a 50-hour week. Most weeks, though, were like 10 to 12. So now you add that money in with like a 10 to 12-hour work week, what are you going to do with all the idle time? You're just going to like, exactly, because you have nothing else to do. So I told people, they were like, you know, even now, my fiance and I joke because she's a big movie buff. Like I did the Netflix binge when I was 22. Like mm-hmm. that for me was like I could spend four days and watch four series, and I still did my job really well. So mm-hmm. you get into this groove, you get into this comfort zone. Why do I say all of that? I was spending money and having a habit of as long as I can pay my bills, I'm good, and now I'm in a comfort comfortable groove.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Where things really went left, and that started to shift my mindset was 25. Because then I was reminded that, you know, when you work for someone, they can always pull the rug from under. So I did really great that year. I blew out expectations. And at that time, you know, just keeping it general, I ended up getting a f- almost 50% pay cut along with a lot of other folks. Due to mm-hmm. no fault of my own, um, but just business being business, mm-hmm. yep. that was my rude awakening. When you get a 50% pay cut, you definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. So that was my point of realizing like, okay, dude. And I remember what I did, unfortunately, that day after, because it was coming up on my birthday and and probably a lot of folks adult-wise and maybe even students can relate to this. My birthday was coming up in two weeks. I was like, y'all not going to ruin my birthday, even though I just lost (laughs) half of my paycheck. So I like spent 200 bucks going to a Drake concert to get extra like front row tickets. But to be honest, inside, I was just like, what are you going to do? You Mm -hmm. just got like a 50% pay cut you're numbing now, but like, what are you going to do after? And I right. think the thing I realized through all of that was, okay, we have not arrived. It is awesome that you have this great story coming into your job, but you, you, you have to recognize where your gaps are. And my big three gaps, and then I'll like be quiet. Cause I know I've said a bunch of my story. Um, my big three gaps were, I didn't have direction in college. Going from freshman to senior year, there's this progression of knowing where the next step is. And then you graduate and then it's like, nope, your next step is whatever you choose to want to define it as. Yeah. You know, and you could be doing, you're alive. It's like, hey, you're great. Like you're here. That's, you know, so I didn't have direction. And like most people, if you don't have direction, you're just going to do whatever. That feels great at that time. The two and three was I was trying to keep up with the Joneses Mm -hmm. and I didn't have their money. (laughs) <laughs> so I put myself in a hole. And then number three, it was identity not around what I do or what I had accomplished. It was like, OK, where are you trying to go, though? And those big three things for me, I realized I was like, OK, you're in over your head. You need to make some big changes. You really need to seek out different perspective because your best thinking has got you in a situation where numerically I went from graduating at Elon, 55,000. I actually went below the total number I thought I was gonna hit mm. 60 to less <clears> than <throat> five years later, a hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars in debt. Mm.
3: Uh-huh. On my own. Mm-hmm.
1: So it was some interest, but like five thousand dollars in interest. I put myself in the other forty to fifty grand that was there.
3: Mm. So
1: that for me was like, okay, brother, you gotta you gotta change got you got to change the bleeding has gotten bad enough that we need to make some serious changes
0: wow thank you for that whole transparent journey and that whole story i really Mm -hmm. feel as though someone's gonna listen to this and receive this as some Mm -hmm. kind of life change because you this story can help so many people make prevent them from making a bad mistake and just thank you for all that total transparency so when you kind of had this wake-up call did you? How did you get like your resources? Where did you even know how to research? Did you connect with someone? Did you get like a financial advisor? How did you even, like, how did you even know where to begin? Did you did you connect with an advisor right after the Drake concert? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: did you do that? Oh man! Um So the the first thing I did was um, I didn't connect with a financial advisor yet at that time because. Here's here's the thing. And this, you know, for folks who are financial advisors, they know this. They take the situation you're currently in and project based off of where you want to go, which is definitely who you want to have. At that time, I didn't need somebody to tell me you needed to spend less money. I know I needed to spend
3: less money. That was the
1: first (laughs) part. So to me, what I needed were people who had got themselves out of the hole and got themselves further. Um, I'm all for hiring professionals and taking nothing away from them. I think what I've learned, though, and that's why I appreciate the fact that you both have this podcast, is there's a a relatability component of somebody being in the same situation that gives you a lot of hope when they're out of it because then they can teach you what they did to get out of it. And so for me, it was like, all right, humble yourself. You've never gotten yourself out of this amount of debt. You need to go find people who have. Mm. That was first thing. Second thing, it was like on a principal level, I had to start thinking, so this is one of the best exercises I ever did. And I actually connected with really awesome, very successful business owners who kind of find out retired in their late 20s, which was like, oh my goodness, this is nuts. The fact that we're the same age and you guys are in two totally different places. I tell people all the time, they're like, how would you know it was real? I went to both of their retirement parties. Mm. Like, wow. Uh, In their 20s? In their 20s.
3: Wow. 20s.
1: So I was 25 at the time. Imagine going to somebody's retirement party
0: at 25.
1: And they're <laughs> also 25. Right.
0: Wait, right. were they solutions? Cons- what was the term again? No. <laughs> no,
1: nope, They were I not. Because
0: I, <laughs> I, I need to Google that as well afterwards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my, oh, the the bar, this is. I'm. I'm just... Okay with saying like we're I'm 30 now so it's okay to say this. But I'm like, you know how many people thought I was Tommy from Martin after I first graduated? (laughs) They were like, what you work from home, you like making this money, like you ain't got no no job. job. So they were like, what does what this solutions consultant do? You, you literally, as it says, it's just you help companies find solutions and you consult them in it. It's, it's really, people try to over-fancy, I don't, fancify is not a word, but make it super fancy. It's just a job where you help people solve problems. Um, it's a great job. I recommend it for everybody because the one thing, you know, with social science funny enough, we get taught to solve, analyze and solve problems a lot, or at least come up with recommendations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just don't know what that skill set applies to. I felt like I was back in class when we would sit down, listen to people. Here was the problem, and then you propose solutions, and they have a choice: they can either go with the solution or they don't. But it's mm. just like for people to listen to them. It wasn't really hard. You had to do some research, which we all have to do in school. So as long as you knew what credible sources were and you had insight, you're good. Um, but no, they were not solutions consultants. They had regular, regular jobs. What they did, though, that was so powerful, and I think whether you're a student or an adult um we all just like i wish all of us would do this they sought people who have results that they wanted
3: so they mm-hmm. were
1: by folks who have been you know multimillionaires for multiple decades and stayed debt-free that was mind-blowing to me i had started when i graduated being around folks who had a lot of money but the two biggest things that most adults start to pick up on is that yeah you can have a lot of money but that doesn't mean i want your life because i mm-hmm. see how the hours you work, like you mm-hmm. work 100 hours a week. I'm not trying to do that. right? Um, or if it's not the case there, you don't have, if you don't have the time, then you may not have the quality of life. Meaning like you're rich, but you're miserable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: You know, so they found people who, you know, weren't perfect by any stretch, but had figured out the money thing, figured out the time thing, and were excited about where they were going. Their best years weren't behind them. So what they did was they humbled themselves and really worked <clears out> at <throat> take them under their wing so what I learned from them with that was I was like listen I don't even know what you guys do but I realized that I'm in this position from decisions that I made and if I had your perspective it probably would help me with making smarter decisions which helped me get out of my situation so that was like kind of that huge pivot of it wasn't hiring somebody right it wasn't I started to do something specific, which I can totally elaborate on. But I think for sometimes with people, when they talk about making this big shift, they they think too far ahead. And it's like, okay, let's figure out how we got here. Ego got us here. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just keep it real. And, it's, and if I could figure out why I made those decisions then and figure out, okay, why am I doing that? Okay, let's figure out how we don't do that or how we shift it. Then you can really start making some big changes. But if you're not like, Let's put it as an example. Most most people our age group get into debt, I think, because there's just no direction. So if, if people are you your best years of your 20s and then your 30s, everything goes downhill. Then yeah, I'm I'll pay this off over the <laughs> next 20, but I might as well have a great time now. Yeah, that's different than somebody saying like, no, how about just take the resources you have, be responsible with it. One thing my mentor told me that gave me so much hope. He said, "This is the brokest you will be right now. This mm. is broke." So that to me was the equivalent of like being a freshman. If Mm -hmm. I can figure out my study habits now, by the time I graduate, we're gonna be fine. That's not gonna be Mm -hmm. a big deal. If I started to think this is the brokest we're gonna be, now I'm gonna learn to be more responsible with what I have now before I have more later and then like can do way too much with that. So I think those are like the big, big rock stuff.
0: That's awesome. I, I'm actually writing.
2: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm writing that down. This is show you Be because that might be the episode <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: that's
1: Man. a good one. That's a good one. Broken oh. You'll Be. We, we definitely like that's one thing my mentors taught me is like we people we need so much more encouragement. Like it's so hard sometimes. And I get it. Like it's not. We all live a life, but you got to give people hope. So when he told that to me, I was like, wow, I never thought of that that way. Um, and he told me something. He asked me a question. I think you two have asked listeners in older episodes and they, you talk about it and applying it to what career track somebody would take, but this is kind of interesting. You can take that and apply that to life in general. The question that both of you encourage parents to ask their kids was, you know, what do you see yourself doing or, you know, what options do you want to have? And I think what you were, what you both hinted at, that they asked me that like totally shattered my mindset was, they said, Tyrese, how do you want to live? Yes, just to start there because like my fiance is a, is a former physician. She loves to help people and has done a great job at it. But with the lifestyle of being a doctor, you work a hundred hours a week.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Like when you start shadowing, whether it's in person or you just, I think I remember um, Kiki, you mentioned this in one of the episodes, like on TikTok. you could like listen to folks who have done that. I know Kimmy, you mentioned that with both of you with advisors and just other professions. Once you start understanding the full picture of what the profession entails, you really do have to ask yourself, is that the kind of lifestyle that you want? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, it's okay. But then you can pivot and and focus on something else. So he asked me, he said, Tyrese, if you had to describe what your dream life looked like, how do you want to live? And it's okay if you don't have all the answers for that. You don't need to. But how you make your choices going forward should be based on getting to what that lifestyle looks like. That, for me, meant everything because it reshaped why I was doing what I was doing versus just doing stuff just for the sake of saying, oh, well, my friends are doing it or I feel like doing it or whatever. So I think that that's if if nothing else, that's the question everybody should ask themselves, because there's nothing wrong with the what you want to do question, except I think the elephant in the room for students and for adults alike, because both of you mentioned this, where it's like, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> is that like I don't think any one person was meant to do just one thing for the next yes. fifty plus years of their life?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to
1: admit it because it, it it doesn't mean you made a bad decision, but it does mean that like yeah, like no, there's no fault on that. You didn't know what this career was going to look like fifteen years down the road or mm-hmm. twenty or whatever. You didn't live that part of life yet, so the question with that is nobody doesn't want to do one thing for the next 50 plus years. Definitely not at 18 years old. Do they know that for sure? Not by 30 right. or whenever they know that either. So they said the different question to ask is how do you want to live? And when you shape your decisions around that, now you start to be able to have some momentum building that helps with keeping great decisions last a long time. But, and that goes for any person at any age, we all do it. We've been doing it since we were kids. It's why we like strive for certain things. Cause we know where we want to go just as adults or even students, you just get caught in this like, okay, well now what do we do? You just got to think about, I think the life you want to live. And then it makes it so much easier to make decisions around that. So, mm.
0: I think that's such that's a great amazing. idea to put it. And I, I kind of want to mention, cause you mentioned earlier too, like one of your mentors, you were kind of taking a time to look within yourself and say, why am I spending the way that I'm spending? And you're trying to figure that out as well. And mm-hmm. I think, that's such a great follow up question. Is, well, how do you want to live? Like, if, cause if you're, cause I was even asking myself, I was like, well, why do I like to go out to eat so much? It's like, well, because I'm lazy. So mm-hmm. I was like, so even that is just the honest, honesty to myself. And it's like, I could definitely save more money mm-hmm. making my own meals, freeing up my time to do that, you know? So having that time to un- unravel yourself and just, and like you were saying before as well, I think this generation, Really does a lot of the keeping up with the Joneses as well because we have so much social media. So we think, oh, I should be, you know, spending up, spending all this money going to this club, popping bottles. You know, mm-hmm. it, that if that's your driving force for the now, it's definitely going to impact what you think you want to do in your future. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was great.
1: Oh, and it's it's so. I think as we people get older, too, like and not just older, like in mid 20s or whatever adulthood, but even in college, you I think I wish more people would talk about it. But I think there's this two thing that comes into play. So first thing is, is that you, you have to have a, a next piece after you like college for most students and even just people in general, whether you're going to go to school or not, is really a big deal. And it is a big deal. And whether you choose to go or not, it's just making it through high school.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's just it's a lot and that feeling of progression to get to a goal i think we get ingrained into us when we were younger and yes. then as we go past the point then it's like okay now what mm-hmm. and so we kind of copy our peers because who you associate with that whole saying you are the average of your five closest friends mm-hmm. it starts to hate what you think is normal and that's so powerful like i think this association is you know in terms of what people deal with day to day, that is one of the most important things to pay attention to because mm-hmm. it shapes how you think, it shapes your limits, it shapes your expectations, it shapes what's normal. And so when people even talk about with debt, you got to really be careful because there are some people like with my you know, fiance contrast two things, right? And I understand it because she graduated from med school. Most people graduate from med school with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt on top of undergrad. There's a lot of them if you ask, they're like, man, I just accepted I'm going to be in debt the rest of my life.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And sure. that's their MO. And that's okay if they choose to want to do that. That's not me. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to be in debt for the rest <laughs> of our life. But right. if your five closest friends are saying that, then ah, it's okay if we just spend right. some money on food. We're going to be in debt the rest of our life anyway. What makes the difference? And so is, is either mindset wrong? No, but you do have to pay attention of how that influences decisions. Because when she met me, the people I've been around, I'm like, oh, well, this is the brokest we want to be. Let's get this out of the way so we can have some mental freedom to not yes. owe anybody anything. So if we have more on top of that, it doesn't even matter if we don't have as much. It's so different when you don't have debt and you have money in your account versus when you have hovering over you that when you mm-hmm. get a <sighs> i got to pay all of these people. Right, It's such a like, moment where you just you feel the stress of it. And so- you know, I think that to me is it does matter a ton, like who you associate with does matter. And and when you get to a point, it's not even a matter of right or wrong. It's just a matter of like, okay, well, what options do you want to have? Okay, then you need to surround yourself or filter decisions through what kind of options you want to have, because it's mm-hmm. your life that you have to live at the end of the day. of well, my mentors told me that he was like, listen, I I love every single one of my friends, but their opinions don't pay my bills, and not disrespectfully. It's mm-hmm. just that. And up, if you're make choices you do have to pay attention to like you're gonna be the one he, he told me this quote and you know all four of us are believers so he 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 he, he got me with this one because i was asking about like on a spiritual level different choices he said here's a simple quote to remember you was born looking like you, like your daddy but you're gonna die looking like your decisions uh, and i was like Dang, that's, that's deeper than that's deeper than people may even hear though but that's amazing yeah yeah. Right. And so his point, you know, obviously was that, you know, the choices that you make are gonna mark the the life that you have. And so, you know, I think all in all, you know, I, I definitely can get into more specific uh, specific things that I did, but I, I don't I wanted to spend some time on that because I think when people talk about tackling whether it's dead or you know, anything, it could be any big especially starting a new year, right? Everybody wanna lose weight, everybody wanna make more money, everybody <laughs> wants to have a more fulfilled life and people wonder why they, like, fall off on some stuff, that Mm -hmm. usually is because those two things are, like, missed. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing, and they're not paying attention to who they're surrounded by, and you do need community to kind of help you move forward so that you can have some of those breakthrough moments. And it doesn't mean you change overnight. It just means that, Mm -hmm. like, everything we're talking about now and related to, I think, is partially because we think in a similar way, and you do need to have people who kind of give you those aha moments to just think about, not even if you act on it, but just to, like, put that kernel in there so that you can start to think, wow, I never thought about that. Or like, wow, I have thought about that, but I didn't think about it from that way. Or like, dang, I know that. So I clearly have not been like paying attention enough to that thing so that I can like make different choices, but I don't know. It's just so powerful. Mm. That's that no, that's great. like,
2: I think, yeah, I think that's amazing. Like we, I think coming I were like, we want to hear what, what Tyrese did, but no, I mean, you did explain that. Cause it's more, it something like it was more like a mental, Strategy than anything, and like you said, having people around you because that's with life and anything. Like I'm sure you mm-hmm. could have. Well, no, your your debt journey may have looked different. You may not even have had a debt journey if you didn't have the people that you surrounded yourself with. Um, and I mean, I feel like that's from just hearing you talk and just kind of knowing you as well. Like I feel like that's from your life in general. Like even before you got to college, sounds like you're again. We know Tyrese. You've always been like just a really inspirational person. I'm not just saying this either, just an inspirational person. Like I feel like a lot of people look up to you. I'm not even just saying that just cause you're on the podcast and you are a listener. So I'm like, you've been listening. So we appreciate it. But no, I mean, for real, <laughs> just like even remembering you from times that you on, you know, you've always been just like really upstanding. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you've just had a great support system in general from when you were younger too, but carry that into life. Cause some people could, especially, I mean, to be Black, to be a Black male, that could have looked different for you altogether. So I appreciate and I, I respect it. Um, like this is amazing that I'm taking notes because I need to learn from myself. But no, I think a lot <laughs> of people, like Kimmy said, will really relate to this. And just like if you can prevent something, like this is basically a testimony in some way, but if you can prevent something at 18 or just to have a different mindset around life period you're sharing like real like gems seriously oh, well,
1: yeah thank you ladies i appreciate that and that's that's honestly how i feel the same about both of you not because i'm on the podcast but i think i was just one of those types of people god just wired me in a way to um i feel responsible being around great people who are doing great things um that you just you you want to like i don't know i feel like being a part of a team even if it's at a distance it's like when you know Kimmy and Kiki are going to keep doing what they're doing and helping people and doing different things. You can't have friends like that and then not try to do some things that allow you to help other people too. I've just been that type of person. I'm like, you gave me like a big concert. That's like, yeah, like I may be overwhelmed at times, but the people who I'm around are like, wow, like these are the caliber of people I'm surrounded by. I got to make sure I'm, I'm leveling up to make sure right. I can help and contribute. So that, that means a lot. And you know, I think from even just the people that both of you reach, you know, I think for me and I'll talk about some of the specifics. I think to Kiki, your point that that is like 85 percent of the thing, because what I think was cool about adulthood, but also some people was scary about adulthood. It's not fair to anybody. I don't care what background you come from. Support mm. system. You have, <laughs> have something that. I, you know we all believe in god like i'm not making biblical or anything but i believe god has challenges all of us have to overcome in our mm-hmm. own unique way no matter what background you came from mm-hmm. and it's, yeah it is equal because we all got stuff we got to go through it just yeah. made like different person one person to the next so to me it became like the that mindset of just like in a nutshell it was like okay my past doesn't have to define where i am now So I made these choices that put me here, okay, we got to make some changes. Um, But going forward, though, it it really does come down to um, really thinking about what things look like for you as a person. You know, whether it's success or whether it's whatever goals are, that made a huge difference. And then really, you got to humble yourself. See, that was the thing for me, too, on a sidebar is that everybody doesn't have to go through this but i will say this as a black man and and you know as a person who used a lot of the chips on my shoulders as ways to strive i think that that's incredible and i respect anybody who does it the people who i've seen take that and really explode with it though are the ones who can still remain humble
3: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that becomes like the low-key challenges you develop pride in the journey that you have which is incredible it's your story <laughs> But it's almost like you can't insulate yourself from getting perspective from people who've done more or done different things than you have. Um, And that was one of the biggest lessons I had to learn. I'm nice as a person and, you know, have my moments, but I had to also humble myself and say, like, you got yourself here. Your best thinking got you in this moment right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're not satisfied with where that is, you have to be willing to seek out changes. And it was super uncomfortable. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the mentors I have now, like I ended up meeting them through honestly, a bunch of other connections. But when I talked to them, I had to convince them to take time out of their life to help me. And not mm-hmm. because they didn't help me, but they really helped me understand when you really want to go after something, people need to see certain characteristics in you that make them excited to contribute to you. It's not a skill set, it's a character thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for students who listen to you know you both to recognize that. We focus so much on skill sets that people have, and I think that is awesome. But I think there's the character side of things too, and the 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 belief that somebody has in someone else to say like, I want to help you because I see you trying to help yourself, and not like that, and I'm gonna like trust in that. So as an adult, the way that people show that is humble yourself and be open, Um, be rooted, obviously, so you can filter out what to be open to. But you, I don't know, I feel like we're all getting into this place, whether you know, 30s, 20s, 40s, whatever. That it's like, hey if it ain't working, you might have to remix some things. <laughs> and look unconventional compared to everybody else, but everybody else don't got to live the life that you live. So if you want this, you got to be willing to combine different things. And I can totally elaborate on some of the unconventional stuff I did, but I wanted to take a pause.
0: Yeah. No, I think the that was really great. Just because I think it always goes back to like your mental state and like your why. And then again, your community to help you with that. So I think that was really great because sometimes we do want to, we wanted to be like all right. This is the steps I have to go through. But if you don't make that mental shift and you don't have the kind of people around to support you, you can easily fall off. So I think mm-hmm. that was really, really good information. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and then, then kind of to build off what you were saying before, because you said you mentioned something about being like uncomfortable and to get, always overcome and to get and to achieve what we need. You always you have to go through a kind of uncomfortable process. So how did you get to? the amount of debt that you paid off. Cause I know that had to be, had to be uncomfortable because <laughs> again, you would have to have changed like your, a lot of your lifestyle too. So yes. uh, if you could kind of tell us a little bit about some of the, the things that you did, some of the tools that you used mm-hmm. uh, and how like your life shifted after that, that would be great.
1: No, no problem. Um, so the first big thing I did was just get access to new relationships. That was, that was huge. So, you know, my mentors had paid off over a hundred thousand dollars of debt themselves and the, always the cool thing to me was they made less at their day jobs than I did, and they weren't eating top ramen every day. So one thing that they taught, <laughs> that I encourage like everybody to do, is you it is wise and prudent to develop multiple streams of income. Yes. Um, especially as adults, I noticed one of those topics where people assume that like your passion in life should be able to just cover everything. But it's funny. This is the analogy I heard in college. We have the freedom in our schedule, but we're broke in adulthood, you have more money than you wish you would have had in college that you didn't have in college. But now you don't have the freedom in your schedule.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: So you got to figure out ways to kind of help complement the two. If you want to have more time, you got to have more income because that's going to help you pay off more resources, debt included. So that was the first thing that they taught me is that, like, hey, you do have to develop uh, multiple streams of income um, just to give yourself like some breathing room. And then you can make different choices. And then here's the catch with that, though. You probably are not going to necessarily find the, the go tos for multiple streams of income solely from school. You have to build relationships with people who've successfully done that and be coachable to it. And I liken that the same way to you two from an advising role. There was not a class that teaches you in high school about how to be advised as a student, but if you want to navigate the intricacies of whether college makes sense, doesn't, what fit does, you need to have relationships with people who have insight
3: for mm-hmm.
1: you two. So the same rules apply in there. So it's you know figuring out yes I do need. But then also still reminding yourself that you need relationships. Too many people think you can just Google your way for everything, and if that's the only resource you have, I got you. But if it were that easy, way more people would have way more options. It don't work. So that's a, that was my first big thing. Second big thing was I got on a game plan. Um, once I knew what my why was, and I said, okay, I know I want to get out of debt within the next five years. I talked to my mentor, and then this is what he shared with me. He said, okay, um, you know your why, awesome. We looked at my budget. We saw where the holes were. I was very transparent about my holes in my budget. Um, It's a very important thing to do because it is somewhat mindset, but it is also like, okay, objectively, what are we doing wrong? My problems were full transparency. I was spending way too much money on dating, way too much money eating out and way too much money um, just buying stuff.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Just for fun. So his advice was, okay, you don't need to necessarily cut out all of those things unless you choose to take ownership over that. If you do, though, then let's find out what that moderate number it is that you can continue to maintain. And if we need to tweak it, then we tweak it. If we don't, then we don't. So that for me was good because it was practically a mindset of like, OK, can I commit to that? Do I want to commit to that? Great. Now I've bought into that. OK, great. Now I can hold myself accountable. Did that change my lifestyle that much? Not really, because I was focused. I think that's why most people are afraid to like cut down some things like that because like, dang, that's boring. And <laughs> it, it, it sort of was, but it didn't feel boring to me because I knew in the back of my mind, this is the brokest I'm going to be. Like, why am I trying to stretch to go to all of these different places if I know that like we're going to have more resources? So I, mm-hmm. this this is what I'm trying to stretch for now. Will be like my my norm when I have it. But I'll mm-hmm. be. So that was like one big thing. We did the game plan. We looked at it. Um, some of the principles he taught me was kind of more for, from a Dave Ramsey perspective. And so I think whether you're a student or a parent, you don't have to adopt all the principles. But here's, one, here's a handful of things that he does teach that I will stand by from having emergencies come up is so important. Having an emergency fund is yes. usually one month of living expenses. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're, you know, just having that is so crucial because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, he teaches the, the debt snowball Oh my God! she always talks about that.
0: That's (laughs) my like go-to. But go ahead, you go.
1: (laughs) No, it's so true because that that people ask me like, "Oh my God, did you like pay it off all at once, or you got to like you know live off of air?" Like you know, if you're not making like like, live off of barely anything. (laughs) Um, No, the debt snowball was perfect for me because it said, "Okay, do your minimums, just do them consistently." Okay, boop boop boop, and then over time, it was like just let it just let it continue to, to flow. So I did that and started playing off the little ones, then the little ones add up, and then I kept going. And here's what that does for, did for me and will do for people. It, the small victories give you so much confidence. Mm-hmm. I had to stop saying to myself, success is a marathon and not a sprint. No, 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 no. Success is a series of sprints. Because when it's a marathon, it sounds like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever to do. And unfortunately, I think as human beings, we're wired to be like, that's too long. I'm going to like, I need something in the moment to give me some sort of a fix. But if you get like a small victory, like I did that. Good job. Like you can really support yourself with your habits by positively reinforcing that. So there was the little, the debt snowball helped a lot there. Um, And then it was before making big financial choices, bouncing things off of my mentors because they gave perspective, not permission. I think sometimes, unfortunately, people look for permission too much. And Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. grateful that my parents, going back to like the whole Natalie decision, they gave me perspective. They said, if you want to do this, here's what you got to do. If you don't, that's on you. So for me, it became, okay, I'm going to ask for advice here because I haven't been here before. So let me get an idea. And doing that different times saved me so much because it, it was a choice I made. But I'll give you a quick example. I remember asking one of my mentors one time, so we had a group trip. It was a guy's trip. They were gonna go to Columbia. It was gonna be so much fun, but I was in debt. And I had that voice in the back of my mind saying, you know, you're in debt. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be considering no trips. And there was the other voice that was like, yeah, but you know, we could figure out how to make it work. So I remember yeah. asking my mentor and I was like, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And he said, okay, either way, you're, it's your decision. But imagine this. If you were the friend who five years from now could take all of those friends on that same trip, all expenses paid, Mm
3: -hmm. just
1: take the day off. Or you could be the friend that's stretching yourself now to go on that trip. Which friend would you want to be? I said, I'm trying to be the second friend. Like, I like my friends. I want to be that cool. None of my friends have ever done that. I was like, Mm -hmm. cool to take all my friends on an all expense paid trip. He said, Well, dude, here's the thing. If you can be my, like, responsible for what you have now and maybe hold off on that trip is delayed, not denied. Try to go on and have that trip a little bit bigger when it's a little bit further down the road and you can be able to treat your friends to a, a memory you'll never forget because you knew what it took to get there. Mm-hmm. Did I have to listen to that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Was it wise to? Yeah. So through those points of having decisions like that, I had someone to bounce perspective off of knowing where I wanted to go and also knowing like where I was. Those are three big, four big practicals. Having multiple streams of income. They started helping me build passive income. That was huge because when you make more money, you can throw more at a problem, and it'll help do things a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I would have never paid off that amount of money in two and a half years had it not been for having additional income.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh wow! It was in two and, 20, and a half years.
1: Two and a half years. A hundred. I paid off one hundred twenty-seven thousand in debt in two and a half years. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm very, very fortunate, very grateful because it really was a lot less guessing and it was more of like just listen and continue to go. Mm-hmm. But having streams of income so important. Is it going to require folks to get out of their comfort zone? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It totally is. And it's never never comfortable, but it's worth it. Um, have people in your life that you can ask for perspective from. And then as you're making the decisions, find those small victories and then being able to just continue to see the big picture like build vision boards that's kind of like our vision board a little bit behind yeah. um just try to have something in front of you that reminds you why you're doing what you're doing in the first place and I think that will help I think people assume way too much that paying off debt or anything like that you have to be this like super disciplined person or anything no you're still human you're gonna do the exact same things that every other human being does you just in some ways like parent yourself the parents who listen they already know like for you if, like I think both of you said it know your child know your teenager There are certain things that you do intentionally to make sure like, hey, they can't handle all of that or like they can handle all that. So you do those things to direct them. Well, we just end up doing that for ourselves. Also, as adults, you have to kind of know how to parent yourself a little bit. And it helps because then you end up making better long term decisions. And it's so much more sweeter. I I wish for everybody in the world to have the peace of mind that you get from not having to owe someone anything. I think mm-hmm. that was the one thing my mentors told me was gonna come that I didn't know mm-hmm. how peaceful it would be. But when it hit, I was like, this is unreal. I just, you can't even describe, it's like describing to someone with a strawberry tastes, like mm-hmm. how mentally freeing it is to have that weight lifted off your shoulders. And then yeah. when you get there, you understand why the steps to get there took what they did. It doesn't make sense going through it and it's never fun going through it, unless you know, liking it back to college, what your end goal is? I, I never would say as a freshman we were like frustrated that we weren't seniors in two weeks because <laughs> you know there's a path like right doing our part along the path. I think <laughs> we can take that and apply that to other areas. So that's those are some of the specifics that I did to help get out of that. Um, and it's it's it was so cool. I think the last thing I'll say on just that topic for folks who maybe are already doing that, whether you're young or older you have no idea how you influence the people around you. Like three of my friends who are older than me, they're like Elon alums that graduated like early, like maybe when we were freshmen, sophomores. They've come back and told me like, dude, I paid off a debt because I saw what you did in your journey.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. When I saw your Instagram post, I was like, I didn't read. I didn't read things. So you inspired me too. I'm not Mm -hmm. even look, I got to look at the date. Of when you posted that too, because I know I sat down and I was like, well, how much debt I got? Because I need to figure this out too. So you really yeah. did. You inspired a lot of people, even if they mm-hmm. haven't mentioned anything to you. But I know for me, when I saw that, I was like, if you could pay off that amount of debt, I can do that too. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. It yeah. means a lot.
0: But this was just, um,
3: this was amazing.
2: Like yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much, Tyrese. We hope that you all um really enjoyed this, like really took a lot from it. We might have you back on. I feel like this is gonna be a really popular I know. episode, Tyrese. So <laughs> we might have to <laughs> have you back on. Um no your fiance too. I'm about to ask you when we get off here, because you sound it so I feel like, I feel like she has her own separate journey that sounds amazing as well. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can't say thank you enough for, for real. But thank you so much. Thanks, to everybody, for listening. Um, we look forward to seeing you all in the next one. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below.
2: And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.